Welcome to the Wine and Wipes podcast, a place where new moms share their experience and new dads can listen in to learn what your partner may not be telling you. With five questions, you will learn what is going great and what she truly needs from her partner to feel supported. All with your host, Greg Coral, results coach, author of The Gifted Storyteller, school principal, and oh yeah, he's a dad too. Welcome to the Wine and Wipes podcast, and thank you for taking the time to help out new parents on their journey. Why don't you start by telling us a little about yourself? What is your name? How many kids do you have? And what are their ages? Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. My name is Harue. I'm from Brazil, and I'm a solo mom of Emilia. She's a four-year-old girl. What would you say is the biggest joy about being a mom? Um, I would say that what brought me the the biggest joy uh, and and still does every day is to get to finally learn what unconditional love is. I, I had no idea of that, so she totally shifted the concept of love for me. So that's the biggest joy for me. It really, is. and it is one of those things that. It's kind of a line in the sand for people who have children versus don't in terms of it's an understanding that you get and the emotion that you get that you wouldn't have otherwise, in my opinion, because I saw such a transformation as a parent and from so many other parents I speak to, just you see the world differently. Yes. And let me tell you, you know, like I did not plan getting pregnant. When I was 25 years old, I had my midlife crisis. I decided I want to make this a better world. So I was going to get rid of my companies, right? I mean, to sell my shares because it was a uh, two um, profitable businesses, one uh, national, the other one international. So I said, you know, like, this is it. And I don't want to marry. I don't want to have kids so I can focus on my mission. So I even got to have like a conversation with my mom saying, okay, you know, like, don't wait for me to, you know, like to do all these, you know, like thing. And I remember the next day she gave away, um, to one of my partners in business because he had a, 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 a little girl as well. And she was saving the things from my niece. For me, I think, you know, for, for my daughter. And then I said, no, it's fine. So, so this is something that's to me, you know, like I'm saying, I'm talking about this unconditional love. And the, the reason I'm saying this, you know, like this important uh, detail, it's because I think it's easier to love a, a child when you want it so much, right? Mm. So I think that when it's someone that was not planning, I think there is, you know, like a... a a good perspective, you know, like of that. Yes. And it's interesting because I've heard very different from even these interviews, experiences from moms who expect even when they're going to have their child, that it's going to be this like explosion of feeling and love and outpouring. And some women get that and some don't. Yes. I mean, I, I would say that uh, maternity, it's something that uh, often is talked about. Oh my God. But it's so amazing to be a mom and these and that, right? But when you go through it, starting from the pregnancy, it's a whole different thing. You, you find out many things that you're like, how come nobody told me this? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it goes on with, you know, like raising a child. Um, 
I, I remember someone said, you know, like a kid, it's something that, you know, like it's someone that gives you, it's so much hard work. You know, like it takes so much energy, so much, you know, like money as well, but it's the best thing in the world. I'm like, I, I, I don't get that. So I think that's part of that, what you're saying, that it's not this biggest joy and everything. It's about uh, women's hormones as well. Because we're going through um, so many things nowadays that disrupts our hormones even harder for the moms, you know? So even you know, like the oxytocin production and all of that, because you know, like I was aware of many things and I, and I did take time to, to study um, certain things. So I took care of, uh, of my health. Health was first place. You know, um, and it was really a focus for me in order to, you know, like to to do the best that I could in that sense. And it did help me with the hormone side of it. Right. So that's why, you know, like I would say that part could be that as well. Mm. Actually, that leads well into uh, the next question, which is, do you have any specific routines that make your life easier, whether in regards to the baby or taking care of yourself? And thinking back to even the very beginning, of course, that may have changed now that your daughter is four, but what are some routines that really you use steadily that made things easier in your life? Mm -hmm. So just to give you a background to when I left a hospital, the day that Emilia was born, um, her father is, you know, like uh, uncle that in a nutshell, you know, like Emilia's father had to travel to a different city and he was you know like his heart was broken because you know like his daughter was just born and he had to to just go to another place to take care of one of his pieces and then I said no I left the hospital went home to pack and then we left to a hotel with a newborn right so just to give a sense that because I think routine is super super important but it's important as well uh, for the mom for the parents to be flexible not to be hard on themselves about the routine you know what I mean so I, I have traveled with Amelia to different countries by myself with the father you know so there was always this flexibility but then yes uh, from the beginning uh, the first decision that I made that helped me tremendously was the decision to breastfeed every three hours because one of my decisions was to to get back um, to to coaching uh, which I do you know like only by phone I don't have to go out I had my mom with me in Germany when she was born the father um, was working from home as well so there was a lot of uh, resource and you know like I made my my schedule you know, like a lot shorter of course so then I, I could have that balance between being with her and having a time for myself doing my work as well. Mm -hmm. And that was only possible because I had a schedule and the scheduled uh, gave me freedom as well in the times that I wanted to go out and buy something or I did to do something else or I, you know, like I, I would take a nap, right? I knew I could do that because I fed her. So she would be fine for three hours. So wow. that's the, the number one. Number two, um, she, she was sleeping in the, you know, like in a cradle that was attached to the bed for the first six months. 
And when she completed six months, the, the day of that, I said, okay, I, I think it's time for her to go to her own room. And we lived in an apartment that has two, you know, like um, floors. So she was upstairs and we were downstairs. We have, of course, the baby monitor and everything. But it was so nice because the first night she slept um, 12 hours. Wow. Right. So then it was just, you know, like this thing. And, and one of the things that I was really hesitant about, you know, like the sleep thing was to leave her in the cradle. And if she cried, you don't like to let her cry a little bit. Yeah. So I made a deal with the father. I said, okay, let's do a deal. No more than five minutes, you know? And he was like, okay, deal. Because I could not let her cry 15 minutes. Then it's, it, then to me, it's, it, it's no deal, right? Mm-hmm. So what I did, I would always breastfeed her. And then, you know, I take care of, you know, like her hormone hygiene. And then, um, and then I would just wait for her to fall asleep and then I would leave. But there were moments that she, she knew that until she would fall asleep, I would be with her, right? So she started in like trying to play and things like that, right? A little bit uh, more down the road. And then, you know, like I got to that point, okay, you know, like if she doesn't sleep, one hour after I start putting her to sleep, I will leave. And it always worked. So then, you know, it was very easy as well. So this routine thing helped. And the last one um, that I would say, um, it is, I think that I, I would say, you know, like, let's focus on these two because not to get to on too many things. Okay. And just to, you know, jump onto what you're saying um first of all routines are essential because it creates a habit creating routines for your child for bed it's good for them to have as well so it's a really great strategy because again there's an exception when you're going to go out and you're going to break that routine here and there but it's much harder to start out without a routine and then switch on to a routine and also just in regards to uh the crying piece the five minutes for us, because we did that too, it's just to have a clock by you. Because one minute of crying can feel like an hour. So <laughs> it's important to look at a clock when you're when you're doing that. I, I love you pointed that, that out because we had a clock as well. Because otherwise, we would not get the sense that it's exactly what you're saying. It's in like one minute. It's like, no, I think it's enough, right? <laughs> and yes. and Germans and Brazilians, they have a very different approach. Immediately. For her to be born, we were like, I I was 12 hours in labor where, you know, like we had to go for um, an emergency C-section and it was so much stress for for her that they they took, you know, like they even made an exam that had to take blood out out of her head when she was inside of my belly to see the cortisol level. So then here comes this baby and she's crying and, and the father says, no, we have to leave her in the cradle to, to cry a little bit. And I said, she just came out of me, you know, like <laughs> I'm taking her and putting her in, in, in like on me, right? She has yeah. the rest of her, you know, like years to, to learn that. So it's not going to be now. And um, just one addition to what you were saying, because we're talking about babies, but right now, for example, she's four years old and the piece of the routine that I find it super important that during the quarantine, once in a while, we're being more flexible as well. It's the, the time to sleep and the time to, to eat. Because if the kids are hungry or if they're tired, 
then you know like to get a tantrum it's so easy and then there is no way to to communicate you know like in, in yeah. you know, like in a way that it's very effective when they, their uh, basic needs are not met so mm-hmm. that helps tremendously and i would say anticipation is a parent's greatest like key that they could have because if you know your child's routine you know that schedule you can anticipate a need that they're going to have for sleep for eating uh checking their diaper routine when they're younger obviously not before, but you know checking their bathroom routine because any all of that information can actually help you avoid tantrums because you can anticipate yeah. they're going to be hungry or tired or whatever yeah. the case is Mm-hmm. And one thing that you you were talking about, um, you know, like uh, being ahead of the game and anticipating, uh, you were you know like a spot on on in that sense. But it reminded me something because one of the specializations that I did was on coaching for families as well, mm-hmm. and they they start from you know like childhood and everything. And I remember there was a test saying, okay, you have a child. And the child, you know, like, is called one, you know, like, what, what kind of mommy or the first one that, you know, like, anticipates that the child will be cold and already gives the cold, the one that the kid asks for the cold and you already give it right away, the third one that will wait a little bit, she will finish whatever she's doing, then she will get the cold, or the other one that it's not going to get the cold, Right. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like sometimes, you know, like, of course, we, we, we can go throughout the, the, the four, depending on what is going on. But in a nutshell, the idea is the number three, to make the child away a little bit. Of course, we have to see the context and everything. But just in that sense that nowadays, um, we tend so much to put kids first that to do things so in, in, like so in the moment they don't wait for a second and then they don't learn how to wait for things which is a bad thing for them and for the parents as well right because then we have to deal with that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. true because the habits you're creating are the habits that are actually going to be embedded for a lifetime yes of course as they get older they can make changes but oftentimes we can look back at our own childhood and think about why we may do certain things And they begin, routines begin as young as that first week. (laughs) So you're right. Yes, exactly. In regards to family, did you have any challenges with your family in regards to your parenting choices or style? Some, you know, in a way that you did it. Did anybody pressure you to do it their way? And if so, how did you deal with it? It's funny because uh, the only thing that I that I noticed that um, was in regarding to breastfeeding. I remember Emilia was eight months old, and I read that you know, like it's you know, like amazing to breastfeed at least one year, and that's the you know, like um, like the World Health Organization, you know, like. Uh, recommends to breastfeed at least a year. And there's these studies where they get uh, people with different um, financial, um, economical backgrounds. And, um, and they could see 
the you know like after the the you know like this kid grows up and and gets to to work and everything they see a difference on the iq and on how much you know like the, the kids as well how much the the person is paid but just in the sense of the capabilities right so i'm like okay if i can make it you know like if i can do that for her why not right, right. and i remember she was eight months old and then you know like um the mother of Emilia's uh, father, she was like, don't you think that she's already too big for that? Mm-hmm. And then I repeated what I just said, you know, like, and I said, in like one year, it's non-negotiable to me. And she sometimes would be like, why don't you have some wine? You can just, you know, like take the, the milk out and everything, right? So sometimes it was even with a good intention, you know, like so to say, right? right. Uh, but then I, I noticed that People um, sometimes, I don't know why is that. And you know, like it's not about breastfeeding in public or anything like that. I had something that for moms is amazing um, that breastfeed, if you don't want to, you don't like just expose yourself. I bought something in the US. I forgot the name of the brand, but I think there are many ones out there. Think about a poncho that you can use, you can use on yourself while you're breastfeeding and you can use on the stroller, on that, you don't know, like. Uh, seat things for the newborn so then it protects them and it, it's it's super cozy for them to be there so it was one of the things that I used a lot but then in a nutshell I would say it was the breastfeeding even in Brazil as well people you know like um they tend to to say that you know, like a six months is enough right and there is something that it, it is a challenge because this should be a right of the mom to choose and nobody else right Mm-hmm. And how do you deal with that pressure when that comment is being made to you repeatedly? How did you handle it or how did you deal? So with um, with my ex-mother-in-law, it was this. I said, you know, like, this is uh, a decision that I made. Um, and it, it's going to be like that, right? So it's about setting boundaries. It doesn't have to be a fight. It can be put like in a logical or a loving way. I think the best for everybody is always to, you know, like to, to put the boundaries in a nice way. And, um, and then I remember there was a doctor here. He was, um, because I was doing exams to see, you know, like to check, uh, you know, like the, I forgot the name in, in, in English, but when you go to the doctor to check the breast and everything, mm-hmm. and there was, there was something in the image and he was like, yeah, and when are you going to stop breastfeeding? You know, like, and, and he was just making that comment. And I remember saying, and he asked, is, is it a boy or a girl? And I said, a, a girl. And, she, and he said, yeah, that's a little bit better. And I'm like, what? You know, like, what does that have to has to be, right? The gender of the kid and how long you breastfeed, right? So then my decision was simply not to go back to this doctor, right? So then to, to find someone that aligns better with my values. And that's it. You know, like, it's his thing. I'm not going to get offended personally, right? I, I was really shocked, to be honest. But then, you know, like, it is what it is. It's not about me convincing him. It's just better just to me to find another doctor, another doctor and that's it. Right. That makes sense. Because a doctor really should be presenting you with options and then supporting you, but educating you, basically. Yes, Mm-hmm. So I know I know you're raising Amelia alone, so answer this question in the way that you'd like, but what are two to three qualities that you love about your partner or wish your partner had? 
Okay, I think this is a very good question. And to be honest, I think that we can trigger the best or the worst in somebody else. Of course, it's our responsibility how we act or react, right? Yes. But there is a huge influence. How many times, you know, like your partner did something and then you're like, it, you don't know, like it triggered you in something. So we know that. So, and it's true the other way around. So when I, I was with her father until she was one and a half, so it, it was me that decided to, to you know, like to, to leave. And I had my reasons as well to do so. But then the, the, the question to me, and that's a great thing about being a coach, right? Because we, we, we always, you know, like get into these uh, questions. Mm-hmm. And to me was, what is really a must for me? What, it, what does really matter? Right. And to me, uh, it mattered to, you know, that she had an amazing relationship with her her father, which would be a challenge when you move countries. He's in Germany. I'm in Brazil. Right. And he could be pissed because, you know, like I don't want to, you don't like to be in the relationship anymore. So then my whole focus was you know, like to have a good relationship with him so he could have a good relationship with her, right? And that meant as well sometimes not saying 100% of the things that I wanted, which was great anyways, because not every time you have to say everything, right, that you want. <laughs> sometimes it's not productive. <laughs> and um, you have to be clear that you choose your battles. And and not get into the victim role, you know, like not to be influenced uh, by people. Because between what is right and what is done, often there is a huge gap. And we are seeing that happening. You know, like, I don't know when this is going to, to go on air, but, you know, like we're just seeing a whole thing going on in, in the U.S. In, and in the world, right? Because right. what was right, you know, like for the police to do, it was not what was done. Right. And uh, and of course, I pray that this will help us, you know, like to make, you know, like an even better world for, you know, like everybody and our kids. But what I mean by that is people that love you most, they will always want the best for you. So it's really easy. Um, you know, like and this is especially for the moms who are thinking about, you know, like uh, divorcing or that have done that recently or even for a longer time, because People, the, the amount of people that came to me to say, no, you should ask what it's your right. And often this goes around money as well. The money, the time that you have to take care of the kid or, you know, like he, he takes care of the kids. And, you know, like, of course, we have to, you have to analyze what is your situation, right? So, for example, in my situation, of course, I had to, you know, like to adjust things in my life. Because, you know, like it was about two people now. It was, you know, like about thinking, okay, if I have to take care of everything by myself, even financially, can I do that? Yes, I will have to make adjustments and everything, you know, like not saying that it's fair, but it was doable, right? But then what is the price of her being able to really have a relationship with her father? There is no price. I know I can work. I know I can take care of this. And I knew that he would contribute to something anyways. It was not the right thing, the right amount, but he was willing to to help, right? Mm -hmm. 
And the more and more that we, we, we you know, like go away from that timeline that we, you know, like from that time that you separate and there is so much things going on and feelings, right? I think things fall more into, in, in, into place. And then, you know, like he started, a, you know, like a new relationship. And then, then it's easier to say things as they are. And then for people to get into agreements that works uh, for both, right? So I would say that um, the quality that you know, like that I like in that sense is that, for example, and this is something that I mentioned that we can trigger as well, or we can help in some things. When I just moved, I was the one calling at least three times a week, saying, "Do you want to speak to her?" Right messaging, asking if he wanted to speak so he could speak to her, right? Asking, oh, when are you going to come to visit and things like that, because that created a routine so that one day, I think she was like one year after that roundabout, if I'm not mistaken, I said, okay, listen, it's, you know, like your duty to have this relationship with her. So you were the one now, to, you know, like that needs to, to take the responsibility to call, right? I'm here to answer the call anytime that you want, but you know, like, please take charge of that. And he's doing that beautifully, right? So what I love is that he, he can see part of my side on it. He's always recognizing, you know, like my efforts. And for the men out there, you have no idea the power of because women are, you know, like working their ass off, sorry, the French, but you know, um, they're working so much. They're being a mom many, many times. You're working out, you know, like working in a company, they have to take care of the house. They have to take care of themselves, which, you know, like sometimes doesn't happen. And I will get to that. Right. <laughs> um, but then just the feeling of, of being recognized, it's something that, you know, like takes, you know, like this pressure out of our, you know, like hearts. It's like, you know, like at least, you know, like, I don't know. I, I don't even know how to describe, but it's something that it's, you know, like for free, it's easy. Right. And it's really nice. So I, I think uh, that's what I would say. Because it's important to recognize sometimes we don't know what the other person's doing. So it's very important, especially for her dad to recognize what a mom, the kind of change and transformation a mother has to go through and what she's doing on a day-to-day basis. And I think it's also important that if you're not sure what she needs, be straightforward and ask. I mean, a lot of times a woman is hoping that the man will know what to do, but honestly, sometimes they don't. So I'm gonna take the liberty and suggest it's okay for a mom to say, I need help with this. And it's okay for a dad to say, I'm not sure exactly sure what else you need help with, tell me, and I will do it. So that you're having, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's, you know, like this, if the call would be just about this advice, you know, like I would say this is really uh, something super important. It's super simple and it's the thing, right? It's, um, it's just, you don't know, like reach out for help. People say that it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. It does. Right. And often the mom, you know, I get so overwhelmed with the responsibilities and don't ask for help. So it's, it's super, super important. Thank you. The last question, what advice would you give a soon to be mom? And what advice would you give a soon to be dad? Okay. 
So for a soon-to-be mom, it is um, the fact that, you know, it's funny because it was an advice that was given to me and that I'm passing it forward. Um, I remember I, I called one of the coaches of my team and she said, okay, first thing, don't fall into this trap of being a superwoman or a super mom, whatever, right? And I'm like, what do you mean? But I, I knew she was talking to me and she was right. <laughs> so, um, so to me, it was really, I, I was not aware of that, but I had that on my, my DNA of being too independent and, you know, like being the best at everything that I'm doing, right? So that's even why I took, you know, um, the, the, the decision to get back to work. It, it was really, um, you know, like one month after my daughter was, was born, but then because she was delayed, then, you know, it was, you know, like faster because my clients wanted to wait for me and I didn't want to let them wait for me and everything, right? But then it was just because of the superwoman thing. Oh, I can, you know, like have a baby and I can, take care of work and I can you know like in that sense and um and I remember from that day I had a conversation with Emilia's father we were in a relationship and I said okay you know I always everything like super super organized from now on I'm going to be more relaxed about that just so we know (laughs) and and I will need help so that's what you were saying because um Here, I think it's really about, you know, like first asking yourself again, that same question, what does really matter, what it's really important. So you can choose your battles. You can reach out for help. Right. Because it's a lot, it's a lot. So then, you know, like ask, you know, like a friend, ask, you know, um, anyone in your family, ask the dads. And for the father, it is really uh, to to give uh, the support because um, often we're not going to ask. And, and as a mom, um, what I have seen in myself and I see a lot in, in friends as well, especially when they are not working, they are not making money. It's this thing of saying, no, but you know, like my husband works, I, I just have to take care of the kids, right? And when you're a newborn, when you have a newborn, you cannot even sleep. Right. So you do need help. It's like, you know, like both of you made the kids. So yes, both of you can, can, can help, you know, like in many different ways. So for the fathers is, you know, like at night, take shifts, get the baby for the mom to, to, you know, like to breastfeed. And one of the things that helped us as a couple a lot, we did, you know, like at least in Germany, they they have these courses. I, I think in, in the US a lot as well, just in Brazil, we don't have, but it's about preparing the parents and then helped a lot because this thing about you know, like him being the responsible at night, it came through the course. So, and then you can, you know, like you can see ahead of the game, what it's going, what is, you know, like what, what is waiting for you so you can plan for it. And um, just going to the, the, the second piece of the advice um, and the, the last one, it's, um, it's about self-care. Uh, I have been involved here, the, the best hospital in Latin America. They make a convention for well-being every two years. And you have many different people that go to, to speak. And usually they're doctors, they're scientists, they're more on the medical uh, background and, and health field and things like that. And it was amazing how much 
the theme self-care was mentioned by different um, different professionals because that's the thing that we're lacking. And if you think about anyone that you know like has high performance, or even when you go for, for example, an athlete, they have their protocol to exercise, to train, to whatever, and then they have their protocol to rest. If you go to the gym and you want to build your muscle, what you're going to do, you're going to exercise and then you're going to rest so then the muscle can grow. Otherwise, it's not going to grow. And with us, we're not taking care of ourselves. Not at all. So that's one of the things that I would emphasize the most. Do something, if it is only once a week that you can get started with, do that. If it is, and it can be a simple thing, how many times we don't even take a time to say, okay, I'm going to make myself a tea and just be by myself for 10 minutes, right? Sometimes the moms know, sometimes we cannot even go to the bathroom <laughs> by ourselves. So then, and with that, the, the dads uh, can help a lot with that. So, you know, like, so I'd say daddies, please make sure mommies are taking care of themselves as well. Yeah, it's a sense. It goes back to that analogy of like when you're on an airplane and they tell you to put the oxygen mask on yourself first. You can't take care of anybody else if you are not taking care of yourself. And the better yes. self you're in, the more you can give. That goes for love. That goes for everything. So yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> yes, and 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 while you were saying that, it reminded me something that uh, there is a an organization from India called uh, One World Academy. And they have this concept of beautiful states, which Tony talks about and he credits the One World Academy. And uh, I was in one of their events and they were talking about, uh, you know, the parents being in a beautiful state. And it's so true because how many times, you know, I think that anyone can relate here. You are just fine and you're rested and your kid comes, mommy, mommy, mommy me and you're like yes and you know like you have fun whatever they're doing and you can notice their smile you appreciate that but when you are working you're stressed you're overwhelmed the kids come mommy 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 like at least me i will tell you the truth i have screamed at my daughter not right so if you're not in a beautiful state the reaction that you're going to have to the same situation it's going to be totally different very true so that's why I was mentioning, yes, that thing about, you know, like um, the, the, the self-care. And when you mentioned about some moms cannot feel that because they were not ready for the stress that they had. Maybe they did not anticipate. Maybe it was something around their hormones that it was disrupted. Because think about nature is perfect. So, you know, like just, you know, like following what nature really does. We produce oxytocin that makes these you know, to real bond. So if the moms were not feeling that, there is something wrong in the sense of not the mom is wrong, of course not, it's the opposite. Something is going wrong about, uh, around the mom that she's not being able to sleep, to rest, right? right. To take care of herself. Okay, so I will just say to you, 
more things um, in regarding to uh, books, resources. Um, there is one, uh, there is a bestselling since the 80s, how to talk to kids so they will listen and how to listen so they will talk. Uh, from, you know, like the, the original Adele Farber, it's this one, but then the daughter, Joanna Farber and Julie King made the version for little kids. Uh, I think it's from two to seven. It is an amazing tool for communication with kids. It can make life so much easier. That one of, if I would choose just one book um, in terms of parenting, it would be it. Right. My second choice would be uh, the whole brain child from Dan Siegel. I love it. But then from the woman's perspective, um, there was uh, uh, an author called Alisa. Uh, Viti, V-I-T-T-I. The book is called In the Flow. It talks everything about the hormones and explain things that to me, it was mind-boggling. It was that book that, because nowadays we hear the same things in different ways everywhere. And this book was the first thing that I'm like, oh my God, I never heard this. Like, you know, like something like that. And it's, you know, like it's scientifically based and um, and it is a game changer for women, especially about you know like taking care of their health and their hormones and the hormone disruptions as well. Okay. It was a pleasure for me. Thank you so much, Greg, for the invitation. Uh, I you know like of course the moms are dear in my heart, and you know like whatever I can do to help, you know like I'm here to serve. Great advice. And so important on so many levels, physically, mentally, et cetera. It was unbelievable. You gave so much great advice and just thank you so much. And so glad you were a part of this.